This episode of LA Meekly is sponsored by Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace to connect podcasters with sponsorship opportunities such as host-read ads like this one, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. It's the more. By more, I mean like in the Shakespearean sense. Oh, okay. Of like the the, the Scottish Highlands. (laughs) (laughs) It's great for independent podcasters and no podcast is more independent than this one. We emancipated ourselves from the rest of the internet. Recorded underneath the direct plane route from Burbank Airport next to Chainsaw City. Van Nuys Airport. Hey, both. (laughs) Don't sell us too high. It's Van Nuys Airport. Podcorn has worked for us and allowed us to finally make some money doing this. It's easy to use. There's no middleman. You set your rates and what companies you want to work with and you give up zero rights to your show which is somehow the most important thing to us (laughs) rights are everything if they just paid us in rights the best part is that podcorn is there to make sure you get paid their mission is to give podcasters transparency creative freedom and full control of how and when they want to monetize so you can click the link in our show notes or just go to podcorn.com to get started today podcorn.com you didn't come up with a catchphrase yeah oh but you said all of it podcorn.com Yeah. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And I'll just need both your signatures here and here. Date as well. And you two have officially adopted a street. Wow. Greg, I'm so happy we're finally taking our relationship to the next level and bringing a child substitute into our lives. You know, since you're so sterile. I'm not sterile. I'm barren. I can't wait to just cut a check once a month, have my name up on a sign, and go back to playing NHL Hits 2K7 and only thinking about myself. For the street, baby. Uh, Actually, what you're thinking of is sponsoring a street. What the both of you have done is adopted a street. What's the difference so we get our check back no 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 the difference is when you adopt a street you commit to removing litter commit to removing graffiti commit to planting trees and maintaining wildlife that you committed to it's a lot of responsibility it's actually called responsibility road huh what do you think of that greg huh huh and have you two thought about schools there's schools on this street to maintain isn't that the city's job no no what i mean is what kind of school will the road you adopt to be attending well it's gonna have to be a private school but are you thinking protestant or catholic protestant obviously wait what and then there's the vaccinations inoculations general shots then the manhole cover needs to be circumcised then there's diapers industrial absorbent of course no potholes very expensive and then the formula which you'll have to pour that down the storm gutters twice a day when you're at your most tired oh good news your check just cleared you're now legally responsible for this bouncing baby commitment I mean street. No, I meant commitment. Lots of responsibility, huh? Well, this is your life now. Oh, and one final thing. I'll just need your membership cards of the Playboy Mansion so I can rip them up in your faces. Your days in the grotto are over, except for the one that's forming at the intersection, which, need I remind you, you are fiscally responsible for. It's gonna cost a lot. Oh, yes, our membership cards. They're in the glove box. Greg, will you accompany me to the glove box? We'll find it quicker with the two of us. Excuse me, we'll be back in just 40 seconds. Glove box. Glove box. Why would it start? I don't know. Check the engine. Fine. Oh, I see. I was warming up a hungry man dinner on the engine and some of the beef bourguignon dripped onto the battery. But it's fixed now. I sopped it up with a brownie. Get in, let's go! And 40. 
Well, that's another orphan brought into this world thanks to Hugh Hefner. Damn you, Hugh Hefner! And your satin robes! Neither one of us said anything. <laughs> I was. I wanted you to blink first. <laughs> Do we start every episode now like the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other? Because it's that's two in a row. It's true. It's just so topical. <laughs> it just really captures the country's mood right now. <laughs> Spider-Man meme. It really captures the audio medium where we replicate yeah. physically a meme. <laughs> I'm doing a kid who looks like Patton Oswalt doing a <laughs> fist pump now. <laughs> he does look like Patton Oswalt. Has that not been the discussion this whole time? I thought that's why it was a meme is because he looked like Patton Oswalt. Well, I thought he was just like... Got something done and was happy. Yeah, like Pat and Oswald. Do I not get memes? <laughs> I mean, I don't read memes with words on them. I just look at pictures and I interpret how they make me feel. Is that not a meme? There's a whole building full of memes on, uh, it's not on Broad Street. It's called The Broad. <laughs> on Broad Street. Um, <laughs> Say which episode this is. This is episode 86 or 87. But when this podcast hits 88. Ooh. I wanted to say that to you before we started recording, yeah. but I couldn't let that one go. No, I saw you have glasses on and i still saw a glow yeah. about your eyes when you like terminator eyes started yeah. glowing. yeah you're like cyclops people don't know that again because this is a podcast but whenever i launch a zinger i lift up my sunglasses <laughs> and it just annihilates <laughs> which is why he's the coolest x-man because he combs his hair and he wears sunglasses because he read the rule book of how to be a mutant <laughs> and we for some reason can't get off of marvel characters today i spent marvel the whole week in big watching Sony. marvel movies and cartoons too i'm on earth's mightiest heroes now which is the most most desperate I've been. What am I going to do next? Read the comics? What am I going to do? Read an actual book one day <laughs> about Spider-Man? Uh, oh, I'm Daniel Zafrin. Hi, I'm Greg. And this is LA Meekly, the podcast that will have you saying, how come you don't do this segment as often anymore? What, where we say our names? or where we? Oh, say we haven't been saying our names either. No, We've yeah. been, this is falling apart. Let's drop our new theme song for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your papers are flying away. Greg, <laughs> that one right Tire, there. Tireless research I did. Greg, it's going. I'll get it. i got to put my... All right, my mask is on. Time to riff. <laughs> now that Greg has gotten his notes that flew right into my mouth, I have my mask on. Taste anything special about the paper? <laughs> Taste anything I brought home from Big Bear? <laughs> something British? It's March yep. now, right? It's March yes, Madness. This is, yeah, this March Madness. That means something in basketball world. I don't remember yeah. what. Last March, it was a whole other kind of madness. <laughs> March Madness never ended. Let's go back for a little bit, back to Feb February. Though. February. What'd you do last month? Anything uh, fun? No. <laughs> No, I didn't do anything fun. I've been doing something for um, the city of Glendale. They have digital exhibit right now because they, I think maybe last month or two months ago, were the first town that they recognized themselves as a sundown town, which was kind mm. of a big deal. So they have an exhibit going on right now. So on they're bringing that policy back? <laughs> For whole time. This is how we're announcing it by admitting it. History cyclical. <laughs> so, part of the Reflect Space and the Brand Library Art Gallery working together in this digital exhibit about racism in Glendale, which we've covered a little bit in our yeah. podcast. So, I've been helping them write copy and look things up with my wonderful podcast research skills. I've been doing summaries for them. So, that's mostly what I've been doing for the last month. They used month. to have swastikas on their lampposts. Yeah, and that wasn't brought up. And I kind of I was looking through our old photos because I had a photo of it from a book and I couldn't find it. But they had lamp 
lamppost and the bottom part of the design of it was swastikas all around it. Wait, the oh, I thought you meant like the, the base s- of the lamppost. It's like not a, shaped like, like a, a tripod. With yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tripod. It's got four lights on it. It's just also a swastika. To be fair, it probably is the most sturdy design if you, <laughs> with the four legs. It's so well balanced. So it's I've been so purely balanced. <laughs> I went back a little bit because we talked about in our Nazi Carla episode. Just sm- drove by, smells like marijuana. Oh my god, I like reggae music all the time. <laughs> Hang on, now my sunglasses go up and my eyes are red. <laughs> a green blast comes out. So that's what I've been doing. We did an episode where we talked about the Boond and the American Nazi Party, which we both covered in this podcast. There's a lot of stuff if you're interested at all. It's really good. It's been a lot for me to read in a <laughs> climate that's also full of racists to be like, <laughs> what, what a how, crazy time. Yeah. The Pace Amendment advocates. Wow. Whatever happened to them? Oh, nothing. They just, I think Trump elected William Daniel Johnson and had to get rid of him once they found out that he tried to deport everybody who wasn't white in the 80s. In Glendale? He was based in Glendale for a while. Hmm. Well, now that we've gotten out of Greg's using of our thing of the month section to plug his own work. Uh, <laughs> That's what I've been doing. <laughs> I haven't been leaving the house. If you thought that was not interesting, wait till you hear what mine was. Wow. <laughs> Did it, well, you're going to put up reviews you've been doing for work and be like, I'm just so clever yeah. and if so you want, touch. If you want to email me, I can send them to you since the library does not publish them. <laughs> they don't want to hear my thoughts on <laughs> Short Circuit. I had a lot to say about Steve Gutenberg and no one will ever know. Yeah, I had a lot to say about Fisher Stevens. Oh, Fisher Stevens. I have Stevens. a lot to say. By the way, Short Circuit might be the worst movie I've ever seen. Tell me why in two paragraphs, in uh, 250 characters. And I'll end it with available now for free <laughs> on Hoopla with your library Available card. now on VHS somewhere, probably. The moment in Short Circuit where they have the revelation of like, he can feel emotions like a human is that someone tells him an anti-Semitic joke and he laughs so loud you can hear it from space. And that's when they're like, this guy's one of us. <laughs> He's just like us. He's the hero we didn't know we, <laughs> we, needed, didn't know right that we needed. You yeah. know that he was created by Mel Gibson, right? <laughs> you know, Daft Punk just broke up, right? So Short Circuit might have a new musical career. Listen to this of what my thing of the month is. Okay. The LA Times Historical Archive through LAPL.org. <laughs> and I'm combing my hair funny style really quickly. This being the thing of your month, eight years in, kind of weird. I would always use it for research, but mm-hmm. now I've made it more of a point. If something big happened on a date, yeah. like in this episode, like this and this happened on this date in 1883, you can go to lapl.org and click on you the You have to link. have a library card, You have right? to have a library card, but you have to have a library pork, whatever I say. <laughs> and you could get an e-card right now if you don't yeah. have one, I guess, because please don't go into the library. <laughs> Advise strongly against going to the library right now. Yeah, especially if you work there. The years are 1883. 1881 to 1996. They have two different ones. There is the more well, recent one. Yeah, the one that starts in like 1985 to current. Lately, I've been, oh, this robbery happened on this date. I'll look up the name of the bank or whatever mm-hmm. and put in the date and you can read the actual article from the LA Times from that actual event the day after, which are awful. They're all terrible. Like oh, all yeah. of the, They're all just publishing like rumors <laughs> and this guy, I think he was here. So I talked to him and he said that they there was give, a big bat who did it. They also give full names and addresses of people. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) who are involved in the crimes. It's so slanderous because there's a robbery in one of my stories and they're like, we think it was this guy and the LA Times published with his address. I wish we would have done an episode on LA Times so we could figure out what was going on in their heads. Almost like the publisher had an agenda (laughs) and a panache for grudges. LAPL has a lot of different publications but LA Times is their big one. Glendale has LA Daily News and LA Times and I had to sign up for LA County which I didn't have a county card.
card and they have the sentinel which was like a big help you know what's weird i kept seeing the sentinel free copies on like everyone's driveways really? and i wanted to take them but they yeah. were they were still on the property line and i don't right. steal anyone's stuff if it's on the property line but if it's hanging into the mm-hmm. street i take it yeah, lemons lemons oranges <laughs> avocados cash bills uh, <laughs> children <laughs> mailboxes that are a little too close to the curb whatever's in there well thank you for finally plugging online databases through the yeah. library because they're free and they're super helpful and for anybody who helpful. wants to start a podcast that's research-based i highly suggest doing yeah. that and los angeles history based i dare you you know what you try having this kind of chemistry yeah with darren here or whatever what's your sorry what is it you know? hang on yes <laughs> you keep looking behind me and i'm afraid because we're both on edge that my landlord is going to walk by again and i will full-on jump under yeah. bob's car because <laughs> Like the scared little cats that we are because we like made a little sort of fort so that they can't see us. But I'm afraid that they're going to walk by and like the beginning of James Bond where you're seeing him through the side and he turns to the side and just red drips down. Your landlord us. shot me because I'm sitting here. <laughs> he shot me with an eviction notice. Let's go into March with our with this month's lith- listener. Lithium th- question. Brought to you by Lithium. Lithium Ion Batteries sponsors this listener question. I wish that you were watching WandaVision so you could even get Wait, how similarly that joke was is to it powered moment. by lithium now there are commercials that pop up that are part of her subconscious and one of them is for a depression pill whatever it doesn't matter Go do ahead. they use podcorn they actually invented it whoa vision is powered by podcorn they're doing an episode of mad men now and wandavision or wanda yeah. who is he no vision he's vision. vision wanda could also work for she could be a peggy i can see it come on it's mad men greg it's mad robot men how come there's women in this show speaking Imagine of daft punk mad. again it's vision and short circuit gonna become oh, the, the new, new daft punk the new robotic oh trance music i would watch that okay so our lithium question is from tony mcdowell he asks, hey tony there's that (laughs) chemistry again i'm curious if you could talk about how you record the show mike's audio interface software timetable how segments are recorded etc i'm also interested in how if it did change when recording during covid19 well to start we weren't under all of my neighbors we were only getting yelled at by janitors janitors before you don't live here we did the making of video which Mm -hmm. is still available on youtube but the first maybe three or four days into the month we'll pick a topic and then i i don't know about you Mm -hmm. i'll start bookmarking and finding both of us start researching pre pretty early although one of us has to let it stew in his brain a little bit more so he can really figure out what the story is about we'll both bookmark a ton of stuff get books or whatever we need i write down all the facts nothing but the facts nothing but the facts and then you start working on puns that takes about three weeks yeah it, the actual research is done in like an hour <laughs> but it takes me all month to come up with the perfect pun throughout the month we'll start typing that stuff up yeah about halfway through the month we'll record the intro uh, three weeks into the month we record the episode yeah like the week the second to last week of the month I that guess. would be the third week of the month yeah some months have five weeks <laughs> it's a, a leap month so we use let me see what this microphone is called audio technica atr 2100 usb but it also uses xlr cables but in the old days when we were in a classroom at csun we had a mixer mm-hmm. plugged into your computer we had stands for the mics and everything we used audacity we record on record. audacity yeah. i pump up i pump up the jams <laughs> uh, i come up with a few more puns <laughs> i boost the sound quality and all that in adobe audition and then cut it in Adobe Premiere Pro, which takes a very long time yeah. because we are constant. There's sometimes there's too much chemistry. <laughs> there used to be before six feet was demanded between us. Editing takes quite a long time because yeah. we mess up. We have to start a sentence over. Daniel cuts perfect jokes like Mark David you know Chapmango. When I woke up this morning, I knew you were going to say that. I knew <laughs> you were going to bring up Mark David Chapmango, and I was thinking of what the perfect-, perfect joke that no, was. No, here's the problem. Around that time, you kept getting nervous about like we- I think people think we're too. 
offensive. And then you got in my head. So when you made that joke, I'm like, I think this is what Greg means about too offensive. Because we were talking about themed flavors at Baskin Robbins. And we talked about when John Lennon was shot. And you said Mark David Chapmango. And... (laughs) And I thought, oh, this is what Greg means by too offensive. But also, I think you're misremembering of how clearly it came off because I think it wasn't as clean. uh, The the room quieted. People were applauding before and they saw the look come into my face of like, I have it. And they're like, shh, 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 hush. Spotlight. Yeah, spotlight. Greg, do you have something to say? Yes, I I do. Yes, I most certainly do. (laughs) It's not like I brought up him being shot out of nowhere. Oh, Mm. didn't you, Greg? No, no. I think it's still in the episode. John Lennon's been shot and then we just like, and it's a hard cut to like nothing. So you chose nothing over. It was a hard cut to Can't Buy Me Love. (laughs) I got to find that clip because I remember it being not nearly as clean and perfect as you remember it was sung like <laughs> the angels were singing if it's as perfect as you imagine we'll release it as its own <laughs> episode <laughs> yeah so ed there's editing i edit out all of greg's offensive things <laughs> that takes about the last week of the month we publish it on libsyn which sends and that it was, to itunes and all that how long did it take us to get into the working mode of this podcast because it, it used it, to be one microphone yeah, straight into we've been my slowly tightening the screws yeah. uh, even now like i just took some webinars on how to to get better sound quality oh, yeah. so it's even still evolving but yeah for like two years or maybe even longer we were using feed burner yeah which was a thing where you had to like html slash 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 <laughs> mark david chapman <laughs> and you had to put all this stuff in and if you were lucky it would connect it to itunes yeah and it would publish it and sometimes it was like well we can't publish this episode for another couple days because feed burner isn't working and then it just stopped working completely yeah so then we switched to libsyn which was so much easier and yeah we were used to be on one shared microphone Mm-hmm. And then we had different stands and we got pop guards and set yeah. the sound shield. And then, when did you learn that you needed a mixer? At what point were you like, oh, this is... When we got two microphones <laughs> <laughs> and realized we couldn't plug <laughs> two yeah. XLR mics into, into my computer. And talk about having to do this starting last April. Pretty much the same, except now we're just recording into our field recorder, which we would only use for field trip episodes. And what is oh, it? Oh, it's a it's a Greg's brother's brand that he wants <laughs> back. Tascam DR40. Which you were saying is kind of like the standard it's like the one unless you really want to go expensive if you're using xlr microphones you're not going to get better than this we don't use much of it there's not too many features but we figured out what we need to record two different tracks for two different people so i can edit out your mumblings about mark david chapmango while i'm talking about (laughs) the tragedy and we're back from something being cut out (laughs) something even worse than mark david let it be known greg did yeah greg said it this time (laughs) he really said it this time okay let's get we gave two boring things of the month and gave a listener question that's only interesting to four people. So let's start getting interesting in this episode. We're going to be talking about, we picked streets, random streets that sounded interesting. And we want to talk about the meaning of these names of these streets, why they're called that. Why are they called? Yeah. Which was, I want to say originally Paul Stein's idea way oh, back when we did our live show, he like pitched the idea of like, well, why don't you do an episode about street names? Because you brought it up and I I have my little notebook of ideas, which yeah. you can see in our making of video. We really <laughs> pull back the curtain. I've had that in my notebook yeah. for a really long time and I came up with a ton of streets and I'm thinking this could be one of our recurring yeah. things. That I feel like pretty late into research I found a like maybe like an article from LA Times or about like you know, the best stories behind street names. Like where was this one? Yeah. But I, I had picked my three already and I was pretty happy well, with my Well you can go selection. to Los Angeles Times historical arc. <laughs> no I do that. <laughs> I don't know how you didn't explain it well enough. <laughs> we each have three. 
You go first. Oh, don't make me, please. All three of my street names are named after a person, or so you think. For anyone unfamiliar with Chevy Chase Drive, <laughs> it starts in Atwater against the river at the North Atwater Park beside the Department of Rex and Parks Yard, which is not as funny as the show. <laughs> it's like the there was 30 Rock and then Studio 60, yeah. the real hard-hitting truths of <laughs> the Department of Rex and Park. So Chevy Chase Drive, if you're not familiar, starts along the river at this little park where you can access the other side of the river path. Like, usually it's the bike path on one side, the north side or whatever. The Dan Aykroyd The west river. side. The Dan Aykroyd. The, the, uh, what's the other one? I'm trying to Bill think of. John Belushi. John Belushi. Um, Let's go through the entire original cast of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and whoever gets to Gilda Radner first, you get a special <laughs> prize. So it runs from this little park that's next to the Rex and Parks yard, and it goes all the way through Adams Square, north into Woodbury area, then past Rancho San Rafael, where there is an area known as Chevy Chase. <laughs> goes past the Chevy Chase Country Club, and from what I can tell, ends in La Cunada, Flint Ridge, <laughs> depositing you very close to the Angeles Crest Highway route that'll lead you into the forest. The Angeles, just like Chevy Chase would Just like Chevy Chase. I thought about doing Chevy Chase also. Yeah. One day I like furiously look, like I don't usually look up street names. I just accept them from first or second street. <laughs> Who knows what the stories lie behind that. But Chevy Chase Drive, one day I was just like, oh, I think I was driving and I just pulled over. I'm like, okay, what? Like, what is it? I'm tired of no, like not knowing. Is he from Glendale? Because Chevy Chase Street was around before the Chevy Chase. Let's get into it. You can keep talking, but I actually did research, so your hunch is always better than my research. I think I could research. get down to the bottom of this. <laughs> so as young comedy fans will ask, why Chevy Chase? How come Chevy Chase was a thing? Chevy Chase Drive that runs through Glendale is older than the actor Chevy Chase, who was born in 1943. I found an article in 1925 from the LA Times database. Hang on. Oh yeah, those dates add up. Stating, major improvements in the approaches to Glendale from LA and Hollywood will have a great effect to the importance of the new Chevy Chase Drive highway system. So it's the 20s, highways meant other things to them. Uh, but in the same article, they were talking about a new huge development in getting around LA, and that was the plan to it's reinforce- Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Are you free Saturday night? <laughs> Saturday Night Drive <laughs> with Chevy Chase Boulevard. <laughs> that drive is only good for a little bit. Yeah. Only the weekend update. <laughs> the drive is good for like maybe two years. Don't stay on it too long because it starts getting really weird with like being mean to his cast members. And <laughs> when it starts getting into community, you're like, this drive's not that bad. But then like it gets really bad. Yeah. Like it just like drives into a trench. You're like, mm, okay, I should have maybe <laughs> taken another street. I'm always surprised when I'm reading about one thing and I learn another thing by accident, which is apparently me learning by accident is the only way I learn. <laughs> It has to be wrapped in cheese and <laughs> thrown on the floor for you to learn it. When they're talking about Chevy Chase Drive opening up in 1925, they're also talking about a new way to get between Hollywood and Glendale is going to help so much. And it's reinforcing the what they call the Glendale Bridge, which is what I've been calling the Hyperion Bridge, which is the bridge. Which one is that? That's the one that leads you from Los Files into Atwater, that long, slopey bridge that you see okay. W.C. Fields on in whatever movie that is. My Little Chickadee? Never give a sucker anything to break? Whatever. The, the one where matter. the things keep falling off of the different stories of the house no that's the one that we saw when what it originally aired uh, yeah. was it called it's a gift yes it's yes. a gift it, it, yeah. it originally aired in the 30s was one when we saw it was the joke i was trying to make chevy chase can we get back to it uh-huh speaking of he was the chevy chase of his day kind of i don't think that's true <laughs> i think it's an exact parallel I don't think that's then true. who's the chevy chase of the 70s no wait i mean who's the wc feels of the of today the 1970s oh, john belushi so it can only be people from saturday night live <laughs> Chevy Chase Drive is named after the area in the Glendale Lockenau Hills called Chevy Chase, which I didn't know was there. So again, if it's not named after the actor, by the way, Chevy Chase, his real name is Cornelius Crane Chase. Really? Yeah. So then what's a Chevy Chase? Some people also think... <laughs> I mean, sure, Cornelius is not great, but why would he change his name you, to... That's something that's already a thing. Oh, I didn't look into why he <laughs> changed it. So some people think that Chevy Chase may have derived from the French word chevauche, meaning ride. Mm. You can grade my French later. I'm mm. not doing that on Duolingo. 
go. Uh, F. <laughs> More likely, though, it comes from this explanation. I got this information from the Chevy Chase Historical Society, which I got really excited which about. Which is dedicated to Chevy the actor. Chase. The actor, Chevy Chase. I got really excited because, like, oh, there's a Chevy Chase Historical Society. I learned everything. It's in Maryland, <laughs> which is the original Chevy Chase, which is probably where Chevy Chase and Glendale gets his name. I couldn't find the link between the two, but I know that one was incredibly popular. And one was on Saturday Night Live. Chevy Chase refers to a Scottish ballad titled The Ballad of Chevy Chase, which is about the actor. No. <laughs> every every explanation you're giving me is like, it's based on Chevy Chase, but it's an older Chevy Chase, and we can't, like, it's a Russian doll of Chevy Chase. We're not getting to what the real Chevy Chase is. So, The Ballad of Chevy Chase, the chase referring to a hunting party in the Cheviot Hills, not the one in LA, which is also confusing, <laughs> the, near the English-Scottish border. Cheviot hunting grounds, or chase, then later becomes Chevy Chase. Oh, okay. Mm. So, they're chasing something. In the Cheviot Hills, and Cheviot becomes Chevy. Well, what were they chasing? I, guess, like, I, I read it was hunting party, then I was heard it was hunting grounds, so I think it was just like an area of the hills, like a chase oh, or okay. something. Like Chase Knowles, which is an apartment complex down the street. This isn't the farthest we've gone back, but it's pretty far. In 1388, the okay, English and the Scots far. fought a battle in these hills, and it was put to a song. It was originally the Battle of Otterbourne, sung in Scottish, and then when it got translated to English, it became the Ballad of Chevy Chase. The first verse of the ballad is, God prosper long our noble king, our lives and safeties all. Woeful hunting once there did in Chevy Chase befall. Chevy Chase is spelled differently than we see it. It's C-H-E-I-V-Y as Chevy and Chase is C-H-A-C-E. Chevy Chas. Are you Scottish? I <laughs> this bag the sound of bagpipe a can of haggis opening <laughs> my skirt my my skirt my kilt blowing up sorry my Scottishness slipped away from me for a second my kilt my is Scottish blowing up because I remember that I'm from the valley um, <laughs> so ballads in Scotland referring but to but I'm from the Chase Knowles <laughs> I'm from Granada Hills not the one you're thinking of did you not get that when I've always said I was from Granada Hills now Maryland in 1725 a man named Colonel Joseph Belt well his name wasn't Colonel but you know what I mean uh, Joseph Belt who was a Colonel a Scottish immigrant living in America now owned 560 acres of colonial Maryland land northwest of what later became Washington D.C. and he called this piece of land Chevy Chase because he was Scottish and he just liked a battlefield. Yeah, the idea of like a battlefield where the thing happened through different land companies and owners. The name Chevy Chase just stuck through the centuries, basically in Maryland. In Maryland, yeah, not in Glendale over the centuries. (laughs) I found this information out from the Tropical Station Glendale blog. A 1920s real estate agent named E.R. Austin working on creating a new entrance into Glendale from L.A. E.R. Austin was the person who got Glendale to change the name of the route which comprised streets like Park Avenue and Sycamore Canyon into Chevy Chase Drive for the entire length of the drive which I didn't know was the long it's the longest street in Glendale Chevy Chase Drive longer than Brand Boulevard yeah because Brand isn't that long because Chevy Chase Drive starts in Los Feliz and goes all the way to La Cunada but it's not like a main thoroughfare like it's not like a big street yeah I've passed by Chevy Chase on the way to the Americana what was he doing Oh, I see what you're saying. Greg, that's that <laughs> chemistry right, that I have to edit out. I'm sorry. That, that was really offensive what you just said. That's going to have to be cut. Getting a zinger on me? That's so offensive yeah. and offended my personality. You didn't even lift up your X-Men sunglasses when you said that. But yours is a hat. You have like Cyclops hat. A big beam comes out of my bald head. <laughs> or just the third eye up there. <laughs> but boy, is it bald. Boy, there's no hair there. <laughs> no eyebrows. So all of this comes back to, I don't know why E.R. Austin called the drive Chevy Chase. I don't know if he owned land in the Chevy Chase area. I don't know. If he was from Maryland but I know that Chevy Chase is not about the actor and that's really all I need to know like it's just reassuring that it's not named after Chevy Chase yeah I stressing myself out trying to figure out what E.R. Austin owned was he like trying to find out any information about him I did find anything and then at the end of the day I'm like well it's not about the actor and that's kind of all I cared about there's also a small street in Beverly Hills off Benedict Canyon named Chevy Chase Drive also not named after the actor 
Is that everything? Yeah, that's all. Oh. <laughs> there was nothing else. Let me tell you, please. I mean, I know I just I said I just page. needed to know it's not about <laughs> him, but like, I don't know, a little bit more. That's still weird that something so weird and obscure as Chevy Chase has two different streets yeah. in Los Angeles. I feel like a lot of credit goes to the town in Maryland. But it was, why? Because it was like a beautiful thing in a poem but, and it's like 1725. But like barely even people care about Baltimore and that's the city of Maryland. Yeah. And when some we care about Chevy Chase, the wire didn't take place in Chevy Chase. I guess that's what I should have looked up is why did Chevy Chase go by Chevy Chase? <laughs> okay, so let's get to my first one. Okay. Do you know which ones I'm doing? You told me I forgot. Perfect. I, no, 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 no. They're Valley ones. I know that. There uh, were two of them are. Kind of, no, but not. Uh, oh, oh who's this guy? <laughs> okay, so, and this one took me about eight hours. All I want to do is have some pun. And I got the feeling I'm not the only one. That's right. We're about to talk until the sun comes up over Sepulveda Boulevard. Oh. I almost thought I should probably do Santa Monica Boulevard <laughs> just so I could do that. And I realized, oh, it's Santa Monica. That's another thing. I, I wanted to do Ventura Boulevard, yeah. but it's named after the Saint Buenaventura. So I would have had to just tell the story of this oh. martyred saint from like the year 900. <laughs> that fits this podcast so perfectly. It's still interesting though. Like, yeah, I no, don't know who sure. Ventura is. Yeah. Reading the early days of LA, you're just reading people's names to like Temple was a guy, Baudry was a guy. Yeah. Uh, Temple Baudry was, was a guy. guy. <laughs> Figueroa was a guy. <laughs> Sepulveda was more than one guy. It begins at the inner Sepulveda the street i'm glad you started with telling where the street actually goes because that's how i decided to start everything also we're so that chemistry that chemistry it's almost like i'm afraid of upsetting you because you'll be so mean to me that i have to figure out how you would do research yeah that's chemistry isn't it (laughs) volcanoes are chemistry is that how all the great romances go Uh, one is afraid of the other (laughs) sepulveda boulevard it begins at the intersection with rinaldi in mission hills yes uh, right by fred mertz and lenny bruce's graves Mm -hmm. their joint grave their joint grave (laughs) just cheaper that way their mass grave that all comedians get thrown into (laughs) when they die. But there's some controversy as the the actual length of this street, in my opinion. So if you Which is the only opinion that matters. There's that chemistry. (laughs) The chemistry I have with the rest of the world. So if you follow Sepulveda Boulevard Boulevard If you follow it to where it ends, it goes all the way through the valley, through Mm -hmm. the Sepulveda Pass, past Westwood, past the airport, and all the way down to near Hermosa Beach, ending at Artesia Boulevard, which is 31.1 miles later, where it then morphs into the PCH. The whole trip would take about one hour and five minutes without traffic. There's always traffic. There's always traffic. So you're saying four hours. If you're lucky. (laughs) You might just want to fly. Because once you pass through the valley is wide, and then once it passes through Westwood, it becomes incredibly narrow and frustrating yeah and everyone's taking it to avoid the 405 yes. as well and then you all you've done is make another lane of the 405 that has stops that somehow takes more time and but you always go on it yeah, you always it. try it ending at artesia boulevard that's the way i see it but apparently people like to connect it to where sepulveda reappears a little further south near palos verdes boulevard near the del amo mall which goes east all the way to just before the 103 in long beach wow okay so those people say that sepulveda is actually 42.8 miles long because of this extra stretch Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know why you would count that because it literally ends yeah. for several miles and then reappears somewhere else unconnected. That doesn't count. No, it me. doesn't. Like your two Chevy Chases aren't. I don't God count forbid them. there's two yeah. Chevy Chases. It, sure, it's a great story to say you can drive from Mission Hills to Long Beach on the same street, but you can't. You yeah. can drive there on streets. I'm just as impressed that you can drive from Mission Hills to Hermosa Beach. Yeah, that no. Did I say Hermosa? I, th- I, thought I did it. say Hermosa. Yeah. I guess I'm, that's the thing about me is I'm such an active listener and I'm so kind yes and <laughs> yes, yes and, and no <laughs> yes and stop talking <laughs> it is still pretty cool that it can go yeah. that far yeah but either count sepulveda is the longest street in los angeles 
It is. Are you sure? Think of one and I'll tell you. Figueroa. No. You're kidding. I even looked up Wilshire yeah. and it's maybe 20 miles long and well, that goes from like the ocean to past downtown. I thought Figueroa went pretty south. Mm-mm. All right. Mm-mm. I'll have to believe you. Well, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you will. Look, we'll look up how long Figueroa okay. is, but everything I kept reading said Sepulveda is the longest, Sepulveda okay. is the longest. No, just talking about even on the freeway, those two areas you pointed out are far. Yeah. It's so really if it's far. a street that connects the two then yeah I, I imagine it's well it's in the valley it doesn't count um go ahead <laughs> you have to cut off the parts that are in the valley so longest street in los angeles undisputed um but why sepulveda why not longest road in the city boulevard mm-hmm. why not sebulbeda i don't <laughs> even that, have words sebulba actually existed before he appeared in the star wars universe did you know that he's from ireland the ballad of sebulba we all know that old ballad right <laughs> so let's get back into who sepulveda what i keep wanting to say sebulbeda now uh, Let's get back to who Sepulveda was, or rather, who Sepulveda was were. (laughs) And to do that, we've got to go way back, back to the almost beginning. Fade in on a sleepy almost Pueblo town. That's something we haven't said in a while. No, we haven't. We haven't had a fade back that far in a while. I I was telling you this one podcast wanted to interview me about our show. And in the thing, they're like, so what are some of your your running jokes (laughs) on the show? And I had to, on an awkward three-way phone call explain oh well we like to say that things got turned into bullets <laughs> during world war Two, and that fire purifies things and they never called me back <laughs> you uh, kind of have to be there <laughs> that's what i should have just said <laughs> you should have just said you know you kind of have to listen because me trying to explain it is the least funny thing yeah what's funnier than someone explaining an inside joke okay so enter a long stream of people who keep naming their children the same name so things are going to get very confusing very fast here but it starts with a man named francisco xavier back to the Mm X-Men, Sepulveda. He was born in Sinaloa in 1742 and married a woman named Maria Candelaria de Redondo, and together they had six kids, eventually a seventh. Here's where the name starts. Juan Jose, Rafael, Sebastian, Jose Manuel, Maria Teresa, Francisco, and and Francisca. Oh my god. Francisco is already Francisco too. Yeah. We need three Frankies in this family. And two different iterations of Jose, (laughs) and then Mother Teresa for some reason. (laughs) Francisco Xavier was a soldier, and when he was 39, a group of settlers were planning to make a huge trip and relocate in the way north in Alta, California. So being a soldier, Francisco was tasked with protecting this group and relocating up north with his entire family. Mm -hmm. This was the first non-native settlement of the Los Angeles Basin, and this group of people became known as the Pobladors. The Sepulveda family technically isn't considered one of the Pobladors because I guess they weren't part of that first group that went from the mission to downtown. Oh, But he was like three miles away. He was at, because there were two big groups that came to mission san gabriel it's like a technicality then. yeah and yeah. then like 44 of the 88 or whatever came first to yeah what became the pueblo and those were the pueblo he's like pueblo pueblo dos he <laughs> pueblo dora jason <laughs> pueblo dorks that's what they called that's what the first group called the <laughs> i got it it took him all day it took him all day writing and drafting. trust me i know how to write puns uh it takes a while so head of the family francisco died on january 24th 1788 and was buried at mission san gabriel but like i said he had a ton of kids. His two important kids, though, the two biggest names of the direct offspring were Juan Jose and Francisco II, who became rich as cattle ranchers, and that gave them influence in the sleepy Pueblo City. You phrased that so... I don't think you got... What did I say that's so 
funny. There's rich as cattle ranchers, but they got rich as cattle ranchers. <laughs> but I heard it like, there's rich as cattle ranchers. Hey, who are the <laughs> richest people in the country right now? Those Jeff Bezos, but ahead of him are all the, this, the cattleman family of Central California. So they were rich as cattle ranchers. <laughs> Francisco, too, became a regidor of Los Angeles, which is basically like a council member, which okay. they should still call them that. We should still use like the Spanish yeah. names for the alcalde, the yeah. regidors. We should because we still call ourselves Los Angeles. And I've been meaning to talk to you about that. We should switch <laughs> to the angels and, and only our government uh, employees should have Spanish <laughs> names. So then in 1825, Francisco II, the regidor, he was made acting alcalde, which means he was the acting mayor. Mm-hmm. And in 1828 was granted the land of Rancho San Vicente y Santa Monica Boulevard, which was 30,260 acres stretching from basically where Sepulveda is now in Westwood all the way to the ocean okay. and from the Sepulveda Pass down to Pico. So that all belonged to the Sepulveda family. Yeah. They were rich as cattle ranchers. <laughs> but then in 1831, he participated in an uprising against the governor oh, and was right. put in prison. Yep. But between just those two brothers, Juan Jose and Francisco too, and their own children, the Sepulveda family now owned ranchos of places you know. There's San Joaquin, Santiago de Santa Ana, Las Cienegas, San Vicente, La Bayona, San Rafael, La Sierra, Palos Verdes, Santa Barbara, and even some far down as San Diego, okay. which are, those are all titles of government workers. You don't want to mess with La Bayona. You know what she's doing. Yeah, she's lost her children. She's going to cry. At you. I think you're confusing a couple different things, but it's fun. I, I learned it on Duolingo. I learned it on Santa movies. <laughs> I learned it on Spanish speaking legends uh, Duolingo. But one sticking point of their land was the Palos Verdes area. So this area was partially given to the Sepulvedas in 1827 by Governor Figueroa, the mm-hmm. not longest street. Longest street. But That's his first name. In 1827, this area was partially given to them but it was also partially given to the Dominguez family so the rights over all of it led to a decades long feud between the Sepulvedas and the Dominguezes but all the feuding was done over legal matters so it was like the Hatfields and McCoys but uh, if it was just Matlock if they got their lawyers to fight I choose my finest lawyer <laughs> to go up against yours like it was a serious feud between these two yeah. families but all it was was like yeah. I'll see you in court again <laughs> Jose Dolores Sepulveda who is Juan Jose's son built a house in 1818 at what is now Madison and Court in Torrance, but he decided to go up north to Monterey in 1824 to try to settle this land dispute once and for all. But when he got to the mission La Purissima Concepcion in Lompoc, he arrived just when an uprising of the Shumash were revolting against the mission and he got shot and killed by an arrow by Whoa. a Shumash soldier or warrior, I guess. That's how that guy died. So What's going on here? And that was the last thing. Oh, are you putting on a play? Uh, <laughs> oh, no. So the dispute still wasn't settled. His kids were Maria Teresa, a Again, Ignacio Rafael, Jose Diego, Jose Laredo, and Juan Capistrano. And those last two, Jose Laredo and Juan Capistrano, were on that Palos Verdes land, San Pedro, really, on yeah. August 6th, 1846, when they spotted a warship. Those two, they spotted a warship off the coast. Turns out this was the warship of Robert Stockton, who was about to invade Los Angeles oh and God. claim it for the United States. So those two Sepulveda boys immediately ran to General Castro, who was in charge of the Mexican troops in LA, who heard the news and immediately fled to Mexico. God. And on August 13th, Stockton marched in and took the city of Los Angeles for the United States without having to fire a shot because the army abandoned the city. I've got an idea. It's in Mexico. <laughs> They've got boats? <laughs> How are we going to fight them on land against boats? I've been shooting a boat for an hour. Nothing's happening. I know my gun only shoots one bullet at a time. It's kind of just like a high-powered BB <laughs> yeah, gun. Yeah, we can shoot one bullet a day. So the Sepulveda boys were the first ones to see That's the Americans so invading. A month later, though, there was an uprising that drove Stockton's troop back out of LA onto their boat off 
south of San Pedro. And it was the Sepulvedas who, again, who were in charge of keeping an eye on them to make sure they didn't... And stay out. That was their motto. Yeah, yeah, that was out. the family crest of Sepulveda. <laughs> and it's a, a raised fist <laughs> with, with shake wiggles around it. The other son, their brother, Ignacio Rafael, meanwhile, was one of the soldiers fighting against the, you know, yeah. of this uprising. But on January 9th, 1847, he was killed in the Battle of La Mesa in Montebello against the U.S. troops. Then in 1858, that San Pedro land dispute was finally resolved and it was decided that the land did in fact belong to the Sepulvedas. But by that point, there had been some bad investments in the family and gambling issues and then more land disputes trying to prove they owned it once again, but this time to the U.S. government. Right. So the legal drama never ended. Then between 1862 to 64, there was a drought that wiped out most of the Sepulveda cattle and the family was deeply in debt. As poor as cattle farmers. <laughs> oh, it's a double-edged <laughs> horn. They started selling parts of their land and other parts were foreclosed. Between 1865 and 1880, they were involved in 78 lawsuits, oh six land partition suits, and 12 squatter eviction suits. Some of the members of this once mighty LA family were now dying poor as a cattle rancher <laughs> with no money at all, just cow pies. Cow, cow pies, pies to eat for dinner. Then on September 25th, my birthday, 1882, my birth year, the Rancho Palos, for, I had to be born early so I could get a good seat for W.C. Fields. <laughs> it was packed house. Yeah, I was lining up for 50 years <laughs> to see it's a gift. The Rancho Palos Verdes land dispute was settled once and for all, and the land was divided into 17 parts with only 4,411 acres given to the Sepulvedas, which was one of the smallest partitions from this suit. It was given mostly to Americans. So at this point, the era of the almost royalty Sepulvedas was over, but all the confusing branches of the family were still making their impacts in other ways around town. Jose Laredo, who was one of the brothers who saw Stockton ship, he became mayor in 1837 and then again in 1839 when there were two mayors of Los Angeles. Him and a guy named Tiburcio Tapia, which led to the abolishment of the position of mayor and instead for a while the city was run by two justices of peace. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's very weird. One of which was Jose Laredo again in 1842 because they uh, they elected a new people every single year, which yeah. probably should still happen. <laughs> then in 1844, they changed it again back to having a mayor, but now there would always be two mayors. So there was like mayor and vice mayor. Every <laughs> Double si- dragon. Every, <laughs> if you slay one, one more will take my place. <laughs> but if you slay him, oh, the city's yeah, falling. I'm running to Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> in 1845, the other brother, Juan Capistrano, was second alcalde mayor. And then in 1846 and 48, it was Jose Laredo again as vice mayor. Then from 1853 to 54, Juan Maria, who was one of the sons of Francisco II, his wife's name was Jesus. Okay, I'm into it. Sure. If I got the chance to marry Jesus, <laughs> I would take it. He was elected to the Los Angeles Common Council. Then from 1857 to 58, he was the county assessor. Then there was Ignacio, who honestly, I have no idea whose kid he is, but he was a judge. And in 1879, he was made the first superior judge of LA County. Judge Ignacio Sepulveda. He had also been on the first Los Angeles Public Library Governing Board in 1872. He probably got that database started. Yeah, he started he before LA Times even started. He's like, there's got to be... Rich as a database inventor. <laughs> and in 1895, he became the first Secretary of the United States to Mexico, appointed by President Grover Cleveland. Wow. Judge Ignacio Sepulveda. His daughter was also friends with the Hearst family. Mm. Oh, his oh. reputation's tarnished. <laughs> so this is the general overview of the famous Sepulveda family, who were one of the major families to shape the city. And they just had their fingers in everything, everywhere. Cows here. Yeah, uh, cows, the, other cows. The mayor here. The naming of the street, however, seems to be in direct reference to Fernando Domingo Sepulveda, who was one of the sons of Francisco II, grandson of the first Francisco, who was a Pobladork. It's weird, because as you're telling the story, I 
lost sight. I assumed that it was named after the entire family's legacy. Yeah, that's what I kind of thought also, but apparently it's to, to just this one, one guy. Yeah, it's this one guy one who I didn't even mention here because there's nothing significant about him, but uh, maybe he had a house there or something. The significant thing is that he has a street named after <laughs> yeah, him. That it was a self-fulfilling, it was like a Kim Kardashian sort of <laughs> self-perpetuating thing. Sepulveda used to be called Saugus Avenue, but in 1925, they renamed it Sepulveda Boulevard. And in Because 19- the word Saugus, it just makes everyone upset. Yeah. It's just a gross word to say. It makes everyone lose their appetite. <laughs> and in 1927, they also named a part of the Valley Sepulveda after this same particular Sepulveda. <laughs> but in 1991, they changed the, that name of the part of the Valley to North Hills. But the Sepulveda family is still around town and not just with the last name Sepulveda. With all the marriages and stuff, there's the Beagler family in Burbank. The Chapmans, Valdez, Ruiz, uh-huh. Smith, Ballard, Bacon. So anyone you know with these last names could be a descendant of local royalty or even you could be, dear boy. But no finer words were ever spoken about Sepulveda Boulevard than in the song Sepulveda by the King's Jester from 1946, which is, I'll post this song. It's really okay. good. That says, Sepulveda, it's a concrete dream. Come quats and cream where the Sunday drivers meet, which I only assume is about the sex workers. It has to be about it has sex to be. work. Or even like the parts of town where men will pull up in cars together. You mean when men will pull up in cars together and record podcasts? Yeah, like that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That's Sepulveda Boulevard. That's yeah, fascinating. It, I thought the same thing, like, oh, we'll just honor the Sepulveda family. No, yeah. it's just Francisco Domingo. What I'm learning is that a lot oh, of... Oh, Fernando sh- Domingo. Sorry, what? Uh, a lot of street name stories feel a little anticlimactic. They do. That's why a lot of... I went into this, like, Sepulveda's my big one. This yeah. one's going to be so interesting. That was the least interesting one that I have because it's... Yeah, it's just a general... There were so many streets where I'm like, what's Magnolia? Oh, it's a tree yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Or a flower? I don't know. It's a flower, yeah. Oh, what's Pine Street? Uh, Elm Street? Uh, so the next one I'm going to talk about is also named after an actor. Uh-huh. It's not named after. Okay, sorry, yeah. let me rephrase that. Also has a similar name to an actor. That confused <laughs> a lot of people. So it's time to cover it. We brought it up in our creepy episode this time. I'm going to be talking about James M. Wood yeah. Boulevard, which runs from Western and Koreatown to the 110 Freeway in downtown, ending at Figueroa, which is the longest street in Los Angeles. Uh, whoa, 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 Greg. <laughs> Edit point here. That's where the building, that apartment building, that's what you're talking about with the babies yeah, yeah, that, that were in the, the basement. basement that yeah. Peter Pan authored allegedly didn't. Yeah, that Peter Pan put two mummified babies in the basement. J.M. Barry. J.M. Barry. That's yeah. what it is. Well, another name confusion thing. <laughs> Essentially, James M. Wood Street is 9th Street for this. In its entire length, it's 9th Street. For only a portion of this, it's called James M. Wood Boulevard. So why named a well-liked local street after venomous nothing actor James Wood? <laughs> is it because I like Videodrome and he's kind of funny in The Simpsons? So what? <laughs> James M. Wood Boulevard is not named after the actor James Wood. It's actually named after Chevy Chase. Um, <laughs> it's actually named after James Conn. <laughs> Let's talk about James M. Wood. James M. Wood could not find too much information about him, but what I found is leads you to think, oh yeah, he should have a street name after him. He was the LA County's top labor leader and an architect of downtown's building boom of the 70s and 80s and was responsible for influential urban renewal projects as well as fighting for the people who live on Skid Row. That doesn't sound like the James M. Woods I know. No, that's, not the, James, yeah, that's not the James Woods I know. <laughs> James um, L. Brooks? Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> like I said, I could not find too much on his childhood or his upbringing, but in the late 70s, our old pal Mayor Tom Bradley selected Wood to run the city's community redevelopment agency where he put his influence into social change. It said that the Bunker Hill skyscrapers, Little Tokyo, the Central Library, MoCA, and the industrial sector of the east side, as well as thousands of units of low-income housing are the product of his years with his agency. (laughs) As chairman of the Community Redevelopment Agency, he formed a conviction that any plan to revitalize downtown had to include redevelopment of Skid Row, which I didn't know how it's officially termed Skid Row is Central City East. That's the the area. That's the non-derogatory name for the area. (laughs) It sounds very Robocop-y. 
Central City East. <laughs> Sector 4. Sector 4. In 1977, the city finally adopted a redevelopment plan to preserve the single occupancy hotels, the SROs, for that area for the population that is on Skid Row. From that, they formed the SRO Housing Corporation to acquire and rehabilitate the area's hotels. So, like the Cecil, which I'll be bringing up in a little bit, how they preserve those rooms for low-income people that are just like single people rooms. Uh-huh. That's part of that whole plan of his. Single murder room? Single murder room. Uh, you, oh, you've seen the documentary. Would you like a single murder or a double murder room? <laughs> well, I got my kids with me. So, triple. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a, like, a roll-in murder? Do you have like a murder-suicide thing? This was in 1984 that they did that. Formed the housing corporation for the, the single year room of dysfunction. The year of Apple commercials. The year of Beat It or Thriller. I don't remember which one. <laughs> Ask me why I don't remember. Um, the SRO housing corporation. Are there any corp- streets named after him? I know there's an auditorium <laughs> named after him. Auditorium of elementary school. Yeah. The SRO Housing Corporation's mission is working towards community revitalization by providing clean, safe, and affordable housing to people, managing public spaces, and administering needed social support services in order to preserve affordable housing for everybody who's in Skid Row as mm-hmm. much as they can. James M. Wood, through his efforts, was getting people off the streets of Skid Row, which is really good. In 1982, with the guidance of Wood and the Community Redevelopment Agency, as well as the Economic Development Administration, these two corporations created a commercial light industrial center where semi-skilled or unskilled workers could be offered jobs who were in that area. From District 9 or whatever they call From it. From Central City East, yes. <laughs> District 9, I hit you. Um, <laughs> you get to bring up Chappie every time and I don't. I can't bring up the, that director's the other- good one? <laughs> Where's this bird? Um, <laughs> Why do birds- interrupt our podcast. <laughs> over here. <laughs> and over here. <laughs> so as well as being an architect for Renewal, he was also an activist in union politics. He was a guy on the picket line and the guy mm. at the striking negotiations. As far as labor leaders, a lot of people put him up there with Cesar Chavez, although mm. for different causes. He was elected to the head of the Alley County Federation of Labor late in his years. He was also chosen by the next mayor, Richard Reardon, to fill a vacancy of the LA Recreation Parks, the not funny one commissions <laughs> in 1995. The gritty drama one. <laughs> and he died uh, the following year, 1996, of cancer. In 1997, mm. The LA City Council voted to rename a portion of 9th Street, like I said, from Fig to Western after him. Deservingly so, because James and Wood fought for the city and for the people on the street, as people well as street. getting what? People on the street. People on the street. Diddly dot dot. Why do songs <laughs> always come appear. into my head <laughs> when I'm talking? When I'm thinking, do I need a little help? <laughs> Anyways, as well as getting a street named after him in Central City East, he also got the James M. Wood Community Center named after him. Hmm. It provides programs for seniors and disabled residents, including supplying meals, transport services, and social services. It also has a 12-step program for area residents. It's a damn fine legacy, and it's a shame not more of us knew about him. And I think it's really important talking about James M. Wood because the Cecil documentary that just came out really paints Skid Row as a war zone. <laughs> and Every tent is another nefarious. Mm. And they really like demonize Skid Row. And it's not a great documentary. The, my biggest fault is that they really make Skid Row seem like Stabsburg. <laughs> that it, was the original name. That was the original name. And it is a bad area. But uh-huh. instead of demonizing it, people should probably be figuring out what how they can do. It. Yeah, how to fix but this. It's also kind of disappointing because when I see James M. Wood Boulevard, I know it's not yeah. James Wood. But I always think it's James Wood, which is terrible that this real James Wood yeah. is not getting the legacy he deserves. Because of an uh, actor who's uh, really awful on the internet yeah i think the same thing with chevy chase drive when if i'm on it yeah. for too long i think yeah too bad that battlefield in ireland doesn't get the recognition <laughs> it deserves it should be the ballad of chevy chase drive <laughs> really okay so we're about halfway through here and yeah. uh, we have a couple more ads for you to listen to so we'll take a break and we'll be right back uh, 
Hi. Hi. Take a breather. It's the middle of the episode. We're here again to take a little breather. It's the middle of the episode. Uh, time to take a breather. Uh, where are we exactly in the episode, though? Uh, between the beginning and the end. Okay. It's breather time, Greg. <laughs> and we're here to remind you once again that this episode is sponsored by Podcorn. Podcorn.com. Again, Podcorn is an online marketplace to connect podcasters with sponsorship opportunities. It is a service that I wish we had years ago. Me too. Because it was, it's just a, almost a direct sponsorship. It's a way that... That you can actually make money from doing mm-hmm. a podcast and we make so much money now yeah <laughs> i don't it, know it, what to do with all this money Greg. they bought me a car just to source some of the money yeah so if you have a podcast and i know all of you do this is a great <laughs> way for podcasts of all sizes to start making money to help keep their show going which is crazy helpful because i know so many people who want to start podcasts since quarantine started we're like i think i'm gonna finally do it and <laughs> if you do at least you'll have the help that we didn't have when we started yeah thanks to us yeah we walked so you could run roller podcasts. skate <laughs> We walked so you could stream faster. (laughs) I know that a lot of people who listen to us have their own businesses Mm -hmm. and they sell things. So I would assume that you could also become the people who are looking for podcasts to advertise on as well. I enjoy the Podcorn experience. Mm -hmm. The way it's laid out is they show you all the companies and what they're looking for. You choose what you think would be a good fit, which company you set, what date your episode is going to be coming out, how much you want to be paid, write a little pitch, and that's it. Super simple. Choosing what company is right for you is fun because some definitely are not right for this show. Like there was I think there was a caviar delivery service and then there was like a luxury watch company. I'm like, who? come on. Is Wait, there, you don't think our crowd listens to caviar? You don't, oh. <laughs> you don't think that they stream caviar? I specifically put a request in. Is there something for a demographic of people who like exclusively eat dog food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's mostly our listeners. <laughs> they do all their shopping at Petco for themselves, for their whole household. <laughs> it's extremely easy to use, and I can't stress this enough. You will actually make money yeah. by using podcorn.com. There's no middleman. You give up zero rights, which again is the most important it's thing. somehow the most important thing. <laughs> you give up zero rights to your show, and podcorn is there to make sure everything thing goes smoothly so just click on the link in our show notes or go to podcorn.com to start getting today or whenever your next episode comes out podcorn.com you have a catchphrase yet be our competitor <laughs> podcorn.com put us out of business get all the ads that we can't get like the caviar company because to remind you our listeners eat dog food <laughs> it's the better of the dog food yeah. it's purina <laughs> Hi, have you been seeing ads on our Instagram about people receiving postcards handwritten by the LA Meekly boys, Greg and Daniel Zafrin Gonzalez? (laughs) Greg and Daniel Zafrin and Gonzalez. (laughs) That's how we've been incorporated. Hey, not just handwritten, sometimes hand designed. Oh yeah, when I get desperate hand designed. (laughs) When it's too dangerous to go into a gift shop on Hollywood Boulevard, hand designed. (laughs) But yeah, we wanted to also take this time to invite all of you to, to subscribe to us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You will get one of those postcards every single month and you will help support our show financially and keep us going because Podcorn just did an ad. Who knows when they'll ever do an ad with us again. After how badly that went. Yeah, you heard what we said about the dog food. We put them in the middle. A breather? Come on! In between the beginning and the end? (laughs) So postcard system is really easy. We're calling them postcard pals. We'll buy Mm -hmm. you a postcard from an LA place and send it to you once a month. If it's written by me, you'll be able to read it. If it's written by Daniel, it'll be like some kind of Zodiac killer code. (laughs) Well, people like cracking that sort of stuff now, don't they? Let them try to catch (laughs) A lot of people live in a different state or move to a different state and want a taste of home so we can provide you. Which is something I never thought because I thought that when we started, it seemed like some of our fans were local and it would be like a joke to send them a postcard from Hollywood Boulevard. But 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 now now we're we're buying international stamps. (laughs) (laughs) I changed my address to Alaska. And And now we're buying like quality postcards because I don't want to send you a trash one because now I represent Los Angeles. You've got to show this to the mayor of wherever (laughs) you're from. But now like Alberto's 
joining the army and I'm looking oh, forward to wow. see, he's going to give me his address in the mill like yeah. 429 Army Way or yeah. whatever. I'm in this foxhole in France right yeah. now which I, I only know war if it's in World War II put, by the can way. You, can you attach this to a pigeon I'm going to send to you <laughs> and put it into the knot in the tree in the middle of the Loire Valley? We enjoy sending them yeah. to you and even for less than $5 a month you will just support us financially and we'll say your name on the episode yeah. and also at $5 a month we'll say your name on the say episode. Say my name? Say my name. Say, you say my name. Look all around you. Is that what we're doing? Are we singing the... No, I asked you to say my name so I could uh, trash my own name and say you did it wrong. But you want to take it somewhere else, that's fine. It's Gagazugula. So I hate showing up for the... You know how cold... Look at, describe what I'm wearing right now. The top is Unabomber and the bottom, <laughs> Abuelita at a laser tag. So <laughs> <laughs> you've got this neon green serape on your legs. Yeah, to keep my legs warm, I have two pairs of socks, gloves, a long john shirt, a regular shirt, a sweater, and, and a, a jacket. And a bag of long john silk. Over food. <laughs> and it's like 59 degrees. Well, look, if you subscribe to us, yeah, it's, it's the hottest day of the year. If you subscribe to us, we'll fund putting an end to COVID and we can go back indoors. Yeah. Aren't you all dying to go back to work and start open mic comedy again? Aren't you all dying to see your coworkers in person one more time? But uh, anyway, go to patreon.com, I think slash LA Meekly. I think that's all it is. And you can help support us and it would be nice. And if we ever have any more tears, then you'll be the first to hear about you it. You will certainly be the first to hear about it. Bye. I love you. Back bye. to the show. I love you. Bye. Back to the show. Okay, and we're burping. But we're burping and we're back. Yeah, we're burping and we're back. Our new podcast, Burping and Back. Burping on backs. Burping on backs. It's no, not, I'm doing it's it. Not COVID friendly, but we're burping on backs today. Uh, uh, oh, no, I burped up the vaccine. <laughs> burping on vaccines. <laughs> That's our spinoff of our spinoff. Okay, so let's get back to the streets. Yeah, where we belong. Clearly. Yeah, the uh, beat it video. The Apple commercials. <laughs> what the, was that a panther? That might have been an actual panther. Why do panthers <laughs> okay. suddenly appear when I'm scared? When In I'm the high. jungle. <laughs> Now, let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. Song lyrics referencing things I don't really understand. Let them recognize from Long Beach to, you guessed it, Rosecrans Boulevard. That's that's as much as I know of the song California Love. (laughs) You're a really smart guy. I don't know if anyone's ever told me how smart you are. They do, but you know. (laughs) I don't listen because I'm so smart. I try to be humble, but they do have to tell me. The street that I always called Rosencrantz whenever I saw it, and I didn't even know if I was joking, but I do know it annoyed Melissa whenever we drive by it. I'd say that. Rosecrans Boulevard runs from the sands of El Porto Beach, just south of the refinery by LAX, and runs all the way east to Euclid Street in Fullerton for a total of 27.8 miles, which would take about an hour and 20 minutes to drive without traffic. So like seven hours. Seven hours. If you cross the time zone. You might have to find a hotel midway. You better pick up a lot of oil at the refinery because you're going to need it. Why do beards? (laughs) Why do churches always ring at noon? So this is one that isn't about a whole family, but just one man who is a genuine part of United States history here. Okay. William Stark Rosecrans. (laughs) No! No way! I might have learned about in fourth grade history. You probably didn't. He was born September 6th, 1819 in Kingston Township, Ohio to, he's got such great names in his family, to Jemima and Crandall Rosecrans. Part of the witness protection program? He also had a relative named Marmaduke. (laughs) 
This was the year where names from the Bible were outlawed. So you kind of just had to pick fly up a newspaper the... and grab whatever you see. Unfortunately, it was a Sunday, and he picked up the only colorful page. This is my son, Kevin and Hobbs. <laughs> the twins. <laughs> the twins, Kevin and Hobbs. This is my other son, Peanuts. Hi. Uh, and here's my daughter, Kathy. Um, Marmaduke was a judge, so he was Judge Marmaduke. That has nothing to do with anything, but I I had to talk about it. Oh, so it's at my my conviction's a joke. Judge Marmaduke. I, I see the joke now. What do they really vote? You cannot fit on this couch. <laughs> I also have to mention that his grandma's name was Thankful. So there was Thankful, Crandall, Jemima, and Marmaduke Rosecrans. Man, I hope that's the legacy that they gave him the street for. Give this man a street. Give this man a street. <laughs> hey, at least it's not Marmaduke. <laughs> that's, that's also the family motto of the Rosecrans. <laughs> at least it's not Marmaduke. So clearly this family has a thing with names, but his great-grandpa was Stephen Hopkins. Also, Deceptively normal. Also almost like somebody else who's more famous. Maybe not more famous, actually. Stephen Hopkins was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Wow, really? And co-author of the Articles of Confederation, which... Again, fourth grade history. I don't know. Yeah, we all learned is. about Stark. Yeah, yeah. What's his name? It no. was something that Sebulba was a part of. He was also distantly related to Benedict Arnold. Oh, okay. Yeah, not a great. But as my old joke goes, how much longer till we forgive Benedict Arnold? <laughs> I mean, come on. It's been like 300 years. He tried and failed. And on top of that, the family was originally named Rosencrantz. So suck on that, Melissa. I'm not wrong. I feel like you're doing this segment just to be like, see? Yeah, this see? is. We've been feuding about this for years. And finally, the man gets to have his say. <laughs> so William, or Old Rosie, as he later became known, never really went to school, but he read a ton of books. And at age 13, he started working at a bookstore because they can't yell at you for browsing if you work at the bookstore. Yeah, you. No, I'm not reading them. I'm making sure nothing's in the pages. Yeah. William, will you put down those Marmadukes, <laughs> those hardbound Marmadukes? No. Nay. Nay. He, He's a horse. His family also moved to Homer, Ohio as a kid. And I think that was a town that someone else we talked about recently was from but i can't remember who bart um oh yeah bart simpson not that one (laughs) so now his family was poor but young old rosie had a dream he wanted to go to west point unfortunately that was one of the most exclusive schools in the country that had like three schools at the time yeah and he was just he was nobody he was just a poor kid sure his sure his great grandpa signed the declaration of independence but whose didn't what's he done recently yeah what did you sign recently (laughs) your own funeral check (laughs) a will leaving bad names to your whole family i'll leave you all my money if (laughs) however he spoke with a congressman named alex harper who was able to appoint one person to attend west point as that was one of his perks of his job and old rosie impressed him so much that this guy gave his appointment to him instead of his own son who he had been saving it for don't want to wash the dishes fine see what happens does (laughs) so old rosie got his dream and went to west point from 1838 to 42 graduating fifth in his class of 56 people which was every teenage boy in the country was at this school he developed an interest in engineering there so after he graduated he joined the army corps of engineers and after a year he became an assistant professor of engineering and also natural and experimental philosophy at west point so he was teaching there but on april 1st 1854 he decided he wanted to be spending more time with his family so he resigned from the army and moved to cincinnati to become an architect and a civil engineer cincinnati yeah he went straight to vegas (laughs) i can't be a professor anymore and he ripped off his shirt and he had all these lower back tattoos and he went straight to las vegas his reading glasses became like the curvy ones that yeah you buy from a gas station when you have a truck tattooed across his chest was his grandpa's signature on the declaration <laughs> of independence he got involved in coal mining and okay. kerosene refining oh becoming God. president of the coal river navigation company in virginia and he even founded the preston coal oil company in 1857 but he was also an inventor 
Herticle. He made it. He actually wrote Marmaduke based <laughs> on his uncle. He invented an odorless oil, a round lamp wick, a lamp chimney, a cheaper way of making soap, and a new type of ambulance, oh. which would have come in handy when one of his new lamps exploded on him and burned him so badly he was bedridden for 18 months. Oh my God, it's awful. And the end of his bed rest, though, coincided with a line I've never gotten to say before on this show. And then the Civil War hit, (laughs) which is, again, another inside joke I had to explain to a guy who used to work on NPR. He pulled himself out of his bed and slapped on a new coat of skin and rejoined the army. Civil War style. (laughs) He was a believer. This is a different origin story of Dr. Doom. Well, he he burns himself, uh, depending on the storyline. How many superhero or supervillains, supervillains, I guess, mostly started out with skin conditions? Probably a lot of them. Yeah. And then there's Deadpool. Not a villain. And how many unspoken Avengers have eczema? that we don't talk about. Um, Let's talk about them here on our new podcast, Marvel yeah. Hero Eczema. Scratchback. <laughs> uh, he was a believer in the United States okay. and was anti-slavery. So Good. thankfully for this story, he joined the Union Great. on June 7th, 1861. He was made Colonel of the 23rd Regiment, Ohio Volunteer Infantry, whatever that means, yeah. and was soon made Brigadier General, whatever that means, and then Commander of the Department of Ohio, which does mean that he was training soldiers in Ohio for an expected invasion from Confederate forces. Okay. Which I always thought Ohio was, I guess it's not really the South, but I assumed Ohio was Southern leaning. <laughs> Two of these men that he was training, Rutherford B. Hayes, who would go on to become the 19th president of the United States, mm-hmm. and William McKinley, who would become the 25th president of the United States until wow. he was assassinated by, you guessed it, Garth Brooks. I know you're a fan, but you gotta let him go this time. Do not hug him. He's not wearing a mask. Please. When am Garth I gonna get Brooks. to see William McKinley again? I gotta hug William McKinley. Um, Garth, uh, <laughs> Garth Brooks, you're part of the problem. Uh, military titles make no sense to me, and I find the history of the Civil War to be very confusing. So yeah. here are just the general highlights of his time, Old Rosie, during the war. Are you gonna explain states' rights to me? Because I'm not interested. It's about time you learned about it. <laughs> it's about time you started making three-fifths compromises with me, and that's all I know about the Civil War. <laughs> he was at different points in charge of the left wing of the Army of the Mississippi, whatever that means. Yeah. He took over for both George McClellan, George McClellan, John Le- George Harrison, John Lennon, and John Pope. He commanded the Army of the Cumberland, whatever that means, in Nashville, where he fought in the Battle of Stones River. He served under John Fremont in the Mountain Department, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Then he led the army to a big victory at Rich Mountain. But after that battle, his old boss, George McClellan, took all the credit no. for his victory and eventually he, George McClellan, got promoted to general-in-chief of the entire Union Army and Old Rosie was stuck being shuffled to different smaller armies in yeah, different battles. Sucks. All the while on his trusty horse, Boney. Not the horse you've wanted to be on. Doesn't feel good to ride him for like eight hours. <laughs> and as part of George McClellan's promotion, we're taking your host, Mr. <laughs> Brawny, and we're, we're giving you old Boney. But then he screwed up at the Battle of Iuka where he won, but he let the enemy escape, which oh, led okay. to Ulysses and... S. Grant becoming pissed off at Rosecrans, which you do not want. And yeah. the two remain pissed off at each other for the rest of both of their lives. <laughs> oh my God. Then came another big victory at Corinth, where, for which Old Rosie became a major general, whatever that means, and became the fifth highest ranking general in the Civil War, was Rosecrans. But even so, Grant was pissed off at him, because again, because he didn't pursue the Confederates after defeating them. You let people live? <laughs> you didn't make this war even more bloody. <laughs> so overall, Rosecrans was a very 
very well-respected general, except by Ulysses S. Grant, until he made one big mistake. During battles, Old Rosie had a habit of getting so excited that he'd start <laughs> stuttering and people couldn't understand him, and he would also ignore the chain of command, and those two things led to a lot of miscommunication, right. which finally caught up to him at the Battle of Chickamauga okay. in September 1863. So as the war went on, he started to lose his nerves also, and he became less aggressive and more apprehensive about his moves, which explains why he wasn't taking the heads of all of the Confederate soldiers yeah. and dumping them on <laughs> Grant's front porch. So leading up to September, his superiors were telling Old Rosie to advance into Chattanooga, Tennessee, but he didn't want to and fought them on it for six months. He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to mm -hmm. do it until he finally did. And he forced Confederate General Bragg out of the city and then chased him further. Finally, he's like, all right, I'm doing it. I'm chasing him. He yeah. chased him to Chickamauga. Rosecrans army had about 60,000 men and the Confederates only had about 43,000. Mm -hmm. But he had waited so long to advance that the Confederates actually met up with reinforcements in Chickamauga. It's like a new hope when he's <laughs> chasing. Yeah, he's, he's chasing the, the stormtroopers. Yeah. That brought the Confederate numbers up to 60,000 as well. On top of that, because of Rosecrans' habits, there was a huge misunderstanding that created a giant opening for the Confederates to swoop into the ranks of his army and drive them back all the way to Chattanooga. Jeez. The Confederates lost over 18,000 men and Rosie's armies lost over 16,000 men. But they also lost the battle and it would have been worse had they not been saved by another army who came in at the last minute to help mm -hmm. them. This was the second most losses of any battle in the Civil War behind Gettysburg Jeez. was Rosie's folly at Chickamauga. This was seen as unforgivable by Ulysses S. Grant, who came down to Chattanooga personally to relieve old Rosie of his duty, for which he never forgave oh. him for that. Rosie was demoted to commander of the Department of the Missouri, whatever that means, and resigned from service on March 28, 1867 as a brevet major general, whatever that means, and he actually considered suing Grant for ruining his career after the war. <laughs> but his life was almost very different just a few years before he resigned. Back in 1864, his fellow Democrats were considering him to run against Abraham Lincoln in the presidential election, but he declined to do so because he felt Lincoln was the best person for the job, so he didn't want to do it. Yeah. This was the first of many instances like this that gave him the new nickname, The Great Decliner, <laughs> and his trusty horse, Boney. <laughs> then Lincoln himself actually sent him a letter asking him to run as his vice president. But Rosie, Mr. I Can Never Make Up My Mind, had to think about it for a while because he was a Democrat and Lincoln was a Republican. He eventually decided to do it, but there's two stories here. Either he had taken so long that Lincoln already moved on and chose Andrew Johnson, or his cable was intercepted by Secretary of War, whatever that means, yeah. Edwin Stanton, who was with Ulysses S. Grant when he relieved Rosie at Chattanooga, who also hated old Rosie, and this guy purposely Jeez. took his message and destroyed it. <laughs> Either way, Rosecrans was not made vice president and missed his chance to become president when Lincoln was assassinated by Garth Brooks, <laughs> which would have made him not only president, but the first ever Catholic president. Oh, so wow. he almost became president, but either this guy sabotaged him or he just took too long to make up his mind. Yeah. Then in 1865, people in Ohio wanted to nominate him to run for governor, but he also declined to do that. He did, however, accept the job as minister to Mexico in 1867. Okay. To better do this job, he moved to California, specifically San Francisco, where he also declined to run for mayor of San Francisco. The great decliner. He never lets you down in letting <laughs> you down, but was only here for a little bit, so short of an amount of time that Mark Twain, who was writing for a newspaper there at the time, said that when he left, and off goes General Rosecrans without ever doing anything to give a paper a chance to abuse him. <laughs> he wanted to move somewhere with better weather, so he went down south, but a little too far. He went to San Diego. During this time, the California Democratic Party tried to nominate him to run for governor of California, which he, of course, declined. But 
But since he was minister to Mexico, he started formulating a plan that would have linked Mazatlan, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Is that how you pron- pronounce it for me? That's right. That, you got it, boy. Yeah, you got it. So he wanted to connect Mazatlan, Mexico to New York City by train. Oh, wow. Really? Which would have been incredible. During this time, he also met with the disgraced Robert E. Lee in an attempt to reunify the United States with something called the White Sulphur Springs Manifesto, which sounds very unreunifying. Yeah. There's a lot of words in there that, are <laughs> that I don't want flags. near Robert E. Lee's yeah, name. exactly. Sulphur. But then in 1869, his arch nemesis became president, Ulysses S. Grant, one of his first orders of business, firing old Rosie from his job as minister to Mexico. Wow. So now he didn't know what to do. The people of Ohio again asked him to run for governor, and he again declined <laughs> and decided instead to go back to San Francisco, where he became one of the 11 founders of the Southern Pacific Railroad. Wow, really? Yeah, but that same year, he finally bought his dream home in the city we've all been waiting for this one. He bought 13,000 acres of Rancho Salsa Redondo for 250 an acre, which covered the land bordered now by Crenshaw on the west, mm-hmm. Central on the east, Florence on the north, and Artesia on the south. Okay. So that was all owned by this former Union Civil War general. <laughs> the land mostly produced oats, and he settled down as a gentleman farmer. <laughs> that sounds erotic for some reason, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he only grew roses <laughs> and, and silk robes <laughs> and like big puffy ties. That he, would. <laughs> he was living in a house at what is now Vermont and Rosecrans and Gard right by Larry Flint's Lucky Lady Casino, which I'm sure almost first Catholic president would have been thrilled about. (laughs) The house he lived in was originally built by a squatter named Mr. Cleghorn, which is another cartoon character. (laughs) It certainly is. I'm trying to link him and Mark Twain, but there's nothing there. Other than I think that's what Mark Twain sounds like. His house was built, it was some sort of scheme by the railroad companies to keep Rosecrans from owning the land, but it didn't work. So he did own the land. So here in our very own LA, the Civil War hero settled down for a while, becoming friends with Wallace P. Huntington, mm-hmm. and in 1875 became president of the Safety Powder Company. Hell yeah. But in he eight- didn't decline? If it just makes him profit, he'll do it for... <laughs> but civil service? No, thanks. But in 1881, his civic duty did call him back when he finally, opposite of declined something, and became one of the representatives from California in the U.S. House of Representatives. Oh, cool. Then in 1884, Grover Cleveland asked him to run as his vice president, and once again, he declined. <laughs> as he would. I as he, one does. I think he... We heard about it in the war. I think he just has a confidence problem. Where Maybe, like, yeah. I'm not qualified for that. I can't do that. But also, like, why? So Grant could uh, fire me later? <laughs> uh, Grant probably got assassinated by now. <laughs> I saw him hugging Garth Brooks. <laughs> Instead, in 1885, he became Register of the U.S. Treasury until 1893. During this time, his signature was on all U.S. currency. And wow. he, f- even the pennies. Um, and he oversaw the first and only time a woman was ever on paper U.S. currency oh. with Martha Washington on the $1 bill. That was during Rosie's time. In 1887, he had moved back to LA and started becoming a part-time developer, turning his ranch into the town of Rosecrans, mm-hmm. subdividing it all into 3,000 lots selling for $50 each. And he even got a railway built from his land to Redondo Beach. But when he resigned as register in June 1893, he moved to the Hotel Redondo and just became like a guy you'd see everywhere in oh Redondo Beach. Oh, that guy who was almost president yeah, a couple a, times? Yeah, the gentleman beachcomber. The gen- He'd be out there with the metal detectors <laughs> on the beach. 
trying to find Civil War memorabilia, which was like two years I old. I know I left something out here. I know that I left yeah. like a sword. Yeah, or anything something. of his is Civil War memorabilia. So he was just looking for his watch. His watch. Um, I left my sword out here somewhere. I was stabbing a seal. Yeah. And I think <laughs> I buried. I was the playing evidence. pirates with the neighborhood children, and I brought a real sword, and they were like, <laughs> "Okay." His last great honor was receiving the Later Medal in 1895, which is the top award given to American Catholics. Cool. Do you hope to get that? I assume you hope to get that one day. I mean, like, I don't expect it, but I'm kind of working towards <laughs> but, uh, anything that'll put me in the path. I am writing my speech. I am writing, writing my yeah, I, I, I already have my thank you note in my shirt pocket. <laughs> Number one, God. God. Number two, my pastor. Number three, God again. <laughs> Number three, Jesus. <laughs> Number four, the Holy Spirit, which is me. But then he caught pneumonia, oh, no. moved back into his old house in Gardena, and died on March 11th, 1898. His coffin laid in state at LA City Hall, and his funeral was presided over by Bishop George Montgomery, which is the guy that Melissa's high school is named after. Oh, wow. This guy's very South Bay, which it shows when you look at pictures of him. It was the largest attended funeral in LA up to that time, and his caskets, his caskets, he split them in two. When you get pneumonia, you, <laughs> boy, you see your body just blows apart. His casket was held by four Union vets and four Confederate vets. Wow. And at his grave, they all sang a hymn that I can't believe is actually a hymn, Rock of Ages. <laughs> I only know it from that musical, and I didn't know. <laughs> they all going to go and something different yeah, i bet all, ages meant something different they all stood up and sang meatloaf <laughs> so he was buried at rosedale cemetery near downtown until 1902 when he was exhumed and reburied at arlington cemetery of okay. course which was presided over by president roosevelt was mm. that his second funeral <laughs> save a little bit for later that's what the second casket was for his house in gardena was torn down in 1950 so people could get to larry flint's casino quicker <laughs> and by all means rosecrans should be a more well-known figure from civil war history but he isn't and guess why ulysses s grant just his grudge he just kind of yeah. like forced him out of the picture and the history books kind of wrote he, him out he got to edit anything that went into an american history book yeah and he, take this out take this out but rosecrans the boulevard is very well known at least in music the first song to ever mention rosecrans was rosecrans boulevard performed by the fifth dimension but written by jimmy webb who's the guy who wrote macarthur park and up up and away oh right but most people know the name because rosecrans was the main east-west throughway through compton and south la so a lot of life and a lot of death happened on this street so it was a common point of focus in la rap songs rosecrans right. boulevard the first rap song to mention it was you better bring a gun by king t in 1980 in 1887 <laughs> it was all on windpipes you'll also of course know it from california love by tupac which is a song that also does one of my favorite things songs do which is reference liberace <laughs> so go down to rosecrans Rosecrans, if for nothing else, for the Liberace references. That's really all that's there. So that's Rosecrans, which is wow. weird that he had such a big part of American history and also then moved to Gardena. LA. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting when you're able to link LA to the Revolutionary War and yeah. the Civil War. Yeah, it is. And there's so few times that that happens. Yeah. Because yeah. all the different wars that have happened, mostly Los Angeles was untouched, but then all the people from it were like, yes, yeah, move to LA. We're I think they have beaches out there that you could swim at. Yeah. What's a beach? <laughs> Did you say leech? Because I've had enough of those. <laughs> I'm going to cover now a street name that I have always been curious about. For I mean, I, for at least, how old am I now? 20 years. For now. at least all of my 12 years. If you've ever been in downtown LA, maybe on Olive or Hope, on foot between museums like Mocha or the Broad or the Music Center or the Courthouse, or you're going to the Ketchum downtown YMCA, you might have noticed a small access street that doesn't go anywhere. A small street with a long name. I'm going to talk about, here we go, General Thaddeus caused. Chuko Way. Kostchuko. Can't be right, but okay. First pronounce Mazatlan for me <laughs> and then move on to this. Mazatlan. 
That's what I don't want to do. Move on. It's referred to as GTKW. Are we playing a Grand Theft Auto game? A GTKW is only two blocks existing between Olive and Hope Street, going underneath Grand and giving you all kinds of industrial noir looks. I thought that the scene from Mystery Men was filmed there, but it might not be. <laughs> the it, scene where they're listening to Smash Mouth? Yeah, you got it. And Dana Gould's there, and I'm like, who's this guy? And then years later, I'm his biggest fan. We're talking about the lead singer of we're talking Smash about Mouth? Dan- yeah, we're talking about lead singer. What is that? I feel like I knew that guy's name. I would text you right I now. I would just like, assume him Guy Fieri. GTKW is an access road mostly used by the city. It was formerly named Second Place, and it was a top bunker hill. Second Place was a nothing street what an made. awful name, Second, second place. place. Second Place was a... That's just your nickname. Um, Second Place was <laughs> a... If I were a street... <laughs> if a street were going to be named after me, it would be Second Place, and then a little sign under it, Daniel's Afrin Memorial Way. <laughs> he died in Second Place. <laughs> he died the way he lived on Second Place. He died furiously fighting to be Second Place at something. Second Place was a nothing street made as Bunker Hill was being redeveloped from a working class residential neighborhood to Skyscraper City, which happened in 1970-1971. I also read a couple times that the street was just nameless, but I don't know if it was nameless or if Second Place besides Second Street makes it nothing. It was a street that nobody thought of giving a name. Our story starts in 1976 with Mary Jadula, a self-described, quote, unquote, little lady from Burbank. Well, not really. Our story really starts in 1746 in oh, Poland oh, with Thaddeus Kozczuko was born into a wealthy estate where it's said that 31 peasant families worked for his father. At an early age, he was introduced to the democratic ideals of John Locke and the ancient Greeks. He learned classical painting and sculpting in Paris and was educated on civil engineering and the strategies from Europe's authority on forts and sieges. In June of Whatever 17- that means. I, like you, was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to look up what a brig- yeah. brigadier <laughs> yeah. does. I don't want to look up what Bridget Park Bardot means in the military. They gave me a award in the army and I'm Bridget Bardot. What does this mean? The other two I did research on, I was scrounging for any bit of information I could get. <laughs> this one, when it comes to the street name, it's pretty obvious and there were some articles, but the man like yours is like an unknown hero of the country. And I'm this like, country. This country, America. Okay. In June of 1776 in Paris, Kostchuko heard the American colonists needed engineers. June of 1776, you know, a colonist, you were a month away from signing the Declaration of Independence and saying smell you later to English rule but and we took, do mean smell but it took thaddeus two months to get here because he was shipwrecked in martinique oh Kos- boo-hoo <laughs> oh poor thing um, <laughs> i've been shipwrecked in sherman oaks for the past year because <laughs> chuko is an essential figure in the revolutionary war even with broken english he mostly spoke french to people until he like could Marquee piece together Lafayette. english he was very useful to colonial army he helped benjamin franklin design and build forts on the delaware river to defend philadelphia from the british navy designs he created were helping defend the american army from the british from forts to something called a floating log bridge uh, his greatest contribution was helping fortify and defend the Hudson River, which the Battle of Saratoga was a turning point for colonists during the war. A lot of people thank Kosciuszko for that. Huh. Well, you know what's interesting? This is crazy that I can even rattle these facts off. I think they used, as part of defending the Hudson River, they put like giant chain links mm-hmm. across, which oh, sounds insane. God. But I think they have supposedly some of those chain links in one of the forest lawns. Oh, really? I think I remember that. And I guess this guy was part of that. He should have just like dirty notes written on there, like scratched in there. Yeah. Um, Thaddeus Hart. <laughs> Marquis de Lafayette and Benjamin Franklin, sure. He was friends with the founding fathers. It's said that his intelligence was equal to George Washington. He was ideal. No. I- no, not <laughs> the smartest American ever never lived. Lies. He was idealistic and smart. He believed in democracy and he also wanted to end slavery and was trying to convince Thomas Jefferson to do that. It's said that Kostchuko was willing to pay Jefferson's debt. And he was deep in debt if Jefferson would free his slaves. That was like in his will that all this money would be granted if you could release your slaves and he never did. During the war, he got to know black soldiers, in particular a freed black man named Agrippa Hull who 
fought for the Continental Army and signed up when he was 18 to work for Kostchuko. And Hull and Kostchuko both had witnessed on many occasions that slaves were pledging their lives to the British Army for freedom, which the Brits promised them. Slavery was the crux of the war. This wasn't even the Civil War. This is a Revolutionary War. Yeah. And they were seeing that how important this was to the slaves and freeing the slaves would take power away from the British Army on our own turf. Clearly not the only reason <laughs> a free black man and Polish military officer wanted to end slavery. Nor was it the most important, but it was Kostchuko was unique at the time because he saw slaves and African Americans as human beings and them living in bondage was an abomination and he could see a way to convince white Americans to maybe end slavery right. yeah. to if help you're not going to do war. it for the right reason do it for the selfish for reason <laughs> but they didn't and Jefferson <laughs> never freed his slaves and let's get back to General Rosecrans because Chuko time and time again proved himself to have more intelligence and courage than Thomas Jefferson a founding father and scumbag who I wish could have died like three or four times because <laughs> Chuko was made a US citizen after the war and in 1784 returned to Poland hoping to apply the ideals of the Declaration of Independence to Poland hoping I think to free it from Russian and Prussian aggressions like after- Russian and Prussian aggression Russian and Prussian aggression <laughs> Prussian aggression <laughs> he met and distrusted Napoleon who he met later in life <laughs> what um, yeah these two stories are like what what he was sought after by different rulers and military men but many saw his ideals of social reform too unrealistic he died in 1817 this was a very quick general summary of this man who sounds like a genuine hero like a Polish he never, hero of he never, and there's so few he yeah. never came to Los Angeles no. though. okay no. now we cut to 1976 to Spain on the west coast oh I mean uh, Los Angeles <laughs> California western Spain a Polish American woman named Mary Jadula our little lady from Brink wrote the LA City Council requesting that a street be dedicated to the Polish hero of the Revolutionary War General Thaddeus Kostchuko. They immediately rejected it without any discussion on the grounds that it was too hard to pronounce. I'll and stop you too at long. Polish. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop you at General. You can call the General right now <laughs> for the best car insurance rates in town. <laughs> so the two when's reasons, he going to get a street? Right. Honestly, come on. Are it we not the phone number? How are we not talking the about the billboard? Him? Should become a street name. <laughs> and while we're at it, give Sweet James a street as well. Give Ariana's insurance a street. Want a better butt road? <laughs> want a better butt? How about want a road? Want a better butt boulevard? So the Alley City Council said no to this idea, pretty much without discussion, but they right away were like, it's too long and it's too hard to pronounce. Mm-hmm. Not an unfair complaint. It would take up a lot of space on a street sign, according to the city engineer, Art Dennis. Alley only has four street names that have three lines of lettering. San Fernando Mission Boulevard. It's pretty long. Commodore Sloat Drive. My favorite, maybe yours as well, Edward Everett Horn Lane, <laughs> who we covered before, both actor and street. He was the narrator of Fractured Fairy Tales, which of course oh, yeah, 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 we yeah. would see Rocky I- Bull. That was one of the streets I considered doing, actually. Really? Yeah. There's even weirder stuff connected with that story. There's like an egg commune, like a commune of people who raise chickens or something. Okay, we'll have to cover that. I forget why we talked about his house being demolished. Yeah, I don't remember why either. Uh, Maybe when we talked about freeways? We might have been talking about cartoons. That's when he got brought up, but I feel like in another episode we brought up why he was... They paved fractured fairy tales and put up a freeway. Almost as catchy. So they rejected Mary Jadula's purpose. On bad grounds, and from what I understand, one of the local newspapers sort of made a joke about her proposal. I don't, I couldn't figure out what that was. This was the wrong move for several reasons. How many Polish suggestions <laughs> does it take to get a street name? This mocking and their outright rejection felt like it was belittling Polish people, belittled mm-hmm. Kostuko, and it made the little old lady from Burbank mad. <laughs> Jadula was both proud of her Polish heritage and of the men and women who served this country. Her brother Casimir served in World War II in General Patton's Third Armored Division, and her husband served in World War II in Korea as well, retiring as a major. What kind of major? 
major major league. Um, so this proposal what for Kostchuko wasn't a light matter to her. She continued to write in to the city council, pushing for the general to be honored with a street name after him. I don't know if it was Jadula that tipped them off, but Polish Americans across the country shared their outrage on the matter and pointed <laughs> out that Kostchuko not only has three street names after him in other cities, but there are two towns, one in Mississippi, one in Texas, named after Kostchuko. Mm. I couldn't figure out what they were though. Uh, there's this one town called Kostchuko, and yeah, I, I can't I figure don't know out. What it's Jadula's campaign worked, and in 1970, the city council were swayed completely 180, voting um, full 360. Full 360, back to nothing. They voted 13 to zero on the name change. As LA Curb ends their entry on this, it was a win for the Revolutionary War enthusiasts and Polish Americans across the country. <laughs> Jadula was thrilled with the outcome. The name was the, officially the crossover. There is so wide, so wide. <laughs> uh, we all know somebody who was thrilled about this. The name was officially changed to General Thaddeus Kachuko in 1978. There's not a single address on the street because it's an industrial access road, <laughs> but one can dream. Someday I'll live on this <laughs> industrial <laughs> access road. One Thaddeus <laughs> Kajuko way, whatever. Two. Two. One. So let's get to our last street here. Okay. This is our last one for what I think will become a recurring thing yes. uh, in the future. Maybe it can be our whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Just streets. Just streets. Just streets and back scratching <laughs> or whatever we were talking about. Fatty Arbuckle. Chicken and waffles. These are all famous Roscoe's. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But here's one more for you to add to that list. Boulevard. <laughs> Roscoe Boulevard. Please tell me. I'm more. really I'm really excited to tell you because this is the craziest thing. This is again one of those things of like, hey, I'll do this one too. And I had no idea what I was in for. This street runs from Lancashire in Sun Valley all the way to Valley Circle in Chatsworth, clear across the valley, about 15 miles. Without traffic, that's about 35 to 40 minutes. So with traffic like two weeks maybe. Two weeks, yeah. So let's get straight to the meat of it. A Roscoe is a slang word for a gun used in a robbery. That's what a Roscoe is. You're kidding. No, it's not commonly used anymore, uh-huh. but that's what a, the slang word for Roscoe is. Is could, Roscoe used in the Thin Man? Probably. Now that I know what it is, I, yeah. I feel like I've heard it in like James Cagney movies and stuff because I think it can refer to any gun, but specifically a gun used in a robbery is a Roscoe gun. Okay. But why would that be the name of a street? There's some holes in this story, but the reason it's called that seems to have been based on one incident. But again, we've got to take it back to the beginning. Fade in on a sleepy offshoot of a sleepy Pueblo town that would eventually be known as Sun Valley in the Valley. In Uh 1874, the area was owned by State Senator Charles McClay. But in 1876, the Southern Pacific Railroad, which Old Rosie had founded, and then the Roberts family moved in to set up a general store near the train stop that was there. It's not a stop anymore, but the train still runs through there at San Fernando Boulevard and Sunland Boulevard, which is now a Metrolink track just mm-hmm. off the five near the Sun Valley Library and Daniel's Tacos, where we got Champorado that one time. Oh, that's right. That was good. That was really good. Yeah. Probably the best Champorado I've ever had out of three times I've ever had <laughs> Champorado. Uh, so let's just talk about Champorado. <laughs> Wait, can we please? Throw these notes away. At that time, the area was generally referred to as Roberts because that's where the Roberts were. <laughs> but meanwhile, in Monte Vista, which is now called Sunland, there was a rancher named, I kid you not, Farmer Johnson. <laughs> Son of Farmer John. Yeah, they were Scandinavian. And, um, <laughs> he had two sons named John and Cornelius, and they got their water from a stream that ran through their property from Big Tahunga Canyon. Okay. But to set up this Shakespearean tragedy, that was not all. No, there was another son. A third son named Alvarado, who lived a little south of them, who also relied on that same stream as the water source for his farm. But in the late 1880s, Farmer John's son got the idea to start his own water company, but to do 
do that, he had to dam up the stream on his property. So this meant his third son would no longer have a water supply, but he figured two out of three sons loving me is good enough. So he just did it anyway. Right. So now the third son, Alvarado, sued his dad, but he lost. So now he not only had a farm that was starting to fail because it had no water, he was also in debt to his lawyer for suing his dad. So then Southern Pacific started raising their prices to ship produce, and now Alvarado's farm was bankrupt, thanks to his dad. He could no longer afford to farm, but he still had the land. And on it were two guys named William H. Kidd Thompson and George Smith, both of whom had criminal records. Okay. And wouldn't you know it, not long after this, there started to be a bunch of unsolved Southern Pacific train robberies in the area. And then the robberies came to Roberts, the area that is now Sun Valley. The first one to happen at that station was on December 23rd, 1893. It was a rainy night and the train from downtown was headed towards San Francisco. Amongst the passengers on the train were a few men who got off at Burbank and then the train kept heading north. And then at around 11.30 p.m., it started approaching the station in Sun Valley, what is now Sun Valley, where it wasn't planning to stop. But suddenly three men with covered faces wearing dusters rode up on horses with pistols and Winchesters alongside the train waving their guns. Then the men who had got... <laughs> they were pulling up their uh, pant leg. Uh, room for one more. Uh, and my friends with guns. Then the men who had gotten off at Burbank actually hadn't gotten off at Burbank. They had just snuck up to the front of the train and were waiting for this moment and then broke into the conductor's Jeez. car. So their plan was to run the train off the tracks to buy them more time to get away after they robbed it with the help of the men on the horses. But the conductor instead negotiated that he... We don't have to do that. Yeah. I'll stop the train and run away. And then when you're leaving, give me a signal and I'll come back. Right. And then I can call the police, (laughs) which we don't have phones. So the train stopped at the station, the Sun Valley station, and the men started shooting off their guns just to scare people away from trying anything. Mm -hmm. And then they took out some dynamite and blew their way into the car holding the values, took $150 worth of stuff and rode away on their horses. There were no injuries, but they also couldn't be tracked because it was a rainy night. So no one knew who did this, but you and I do (laughs) pretty clearly. If you know the facts, it's pretty clear who did this. The lawyer did it. (laughs) It was Rosecrans. But then just a couple months later, the culprits here that you and I know were Alvarado and his gang, but those stupid people from history had no idea, decided they needed to pull the same heist again in the same place. So Alvarado and his men were going to try the same thing. But this time, things did not go according to plan. Why would they? (laughs) They got practice in the first time. It can only go better. (laughs) Everything you wanted to do last time, like say, stick them up, you can do that this time. You forgot last time, you could do this time. At around 11 p.m. on February 15th, 1894, the train was once again approaching the station in Sun Valley when the conductor, David Thomas, saw someone at the station holding a torch, pointing a gun at him. The conductor decided, I'm not doing this. So yeah. he didn't stop. Nuts to this. <laughs> See you in St. Louis. <laughs> See you in the funny paper. <laughs> With Judge Marmaduke. <laughs> so he decided not to stop, but the man fired the gun. So he sped the train up to get away. But just up ahead, the guy outside the train had already flipped the track switch. Oh, and the train was now no. speeding towards no train tracks. Luckily, the conductor saw this at just the last second and reversed the engine. So he prevented a catastrophe where the train would have flown off the tracks. Everyone yeah. would have been killed. But since he did that, it did still derail. But they just got lucky again because it had been raining and the ground was soft. So it just skidded into the mud and it didn't go flying. But two of the freight cards that were filled with oranges did spill everywhere. So there was just a bunch of oranges. So it must have smelled great. You're describing mostly like comic strip chaos. And I'm sure someone's about to get killed right oh, now. Oh, this is like some comics, which, you know, like the Watchmen or something. <laughs> So meanwhile, there were again two of the robbers in the actual train. So they now ran to the front to pull the job. But what they 
found was much more intense than last time. To start, a 19-year-old named Harry Daly, who had been stowing away under the train when they derailed, got thrown into the left cylinder, which is the thing that goes chug, 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 and was killed immediately. Then the 27-year-old fireman named Arthur Masters, who worked on the train, he got his legs crushed against the hot boiler plate of the train and was now pinned between the two cars, screaming in agony. So now the three robbers were shooting off their guns over the sound of this guy screaming in pain. Then they blew open the safe with dynamite, which this time was filled with stuff from the Wells Fargo Express Company. So they got several thousand dollars in cash and seven sacks of gold and silver coins that weighed about 75 pounds each. They loaded all this into a wagon that they made look like it was a milk delivery truck Mm -hmm. and they got the hell out of there. When they did, the rest of the train came up to help Masters, who is the guy pinned. He was in so much pain, he was begging people to shoot him in the head to put him out of his misery, which nobody would. So he said, just give me the gun and I'll do it myself. But they didn't and they did what I think you're not supposed to do and they tried to get him free and 10 minutes before they finally did get him free, he had died because they, I mean, why wouldn't he die? So two people were killed horribly in this robbery and the hall was so big that they set a detective on this to solve it and his name was Will Smith. Railroad detective. Oh God! The was wi- all of this it's fake? The and wild- you're leading into the Wild <laughs> West. Him. I'm pitching a reboot of the Wild Wild West. Even better, he first assumed it was done by a bandit that had been going around named Chris Evans. Mm. Captain America himself has finally broken bad. Your precious hero is finally (laughs) turning against the country you love. But then some actual clues started coming clear. A passenger on the train described a man who had been sitting on the train that fit the description of Kid Thompson, who was working with Alvarado. Then some of the gold coins that had been stolen turned up at a bordello that had been used by a guy who fit the description of Smith, who was the other guy working with Alvarado. The police put out a $1,000 reward for the identity of these two men, and when Alvarado's brother John saw this, he immediately tipped off the police. He ratted out his own brother because he recognized the men and he had also seen a wagon coming onto Alvarado's ranch early in that morning yeah. after the robbery. And then sure enough, the police found wagon tracks matching that of Alvarado's wagon near the scene of the crime that led to Alvarado's ranch. Oh my God. But before they could get there, Smith disappeared. Thompson fled to Arizona so the only one left was Alvarado. So he was arrested but shortly after released because there was just a lack of evidence. Yeah. Eight months later, Thompson was caught laundering his money in Arizona and was turned into the police and Smith finally turned up as well and agreed to testify against Alvarado who then confessed and then himself testified against Thompson as being the one who threw the train switch who then turned right back around and accused Alvarado of being the one who threw the train switch. Uh, Smith seemed to be let go but in May 1895 Thompson was sentenced to hang for this but ended up just getting all he got was a life sentence in Folsom prison. Half hanging yeah. Yeah, (laughs) An emotional hanging. Then on November 17th, 1895, Alvarado was sentenced to life in San Quentin for this robbery. Uh, While he was there, he escaped once and was recaptured and his wife divorced him. He was paroled in 1907 and moved to Washington. But in 1920, he came back to LA with his new family and reconciled with his brothers. A sweet ending to the story until September 6th of that year, he was driving with his brother, John, and they got hit by a streetcar and Alvarado was thrown clean out of the car, fractured his skull and died three days later. Saddest character. This This guy would live on second place. 
Street. This is the second place, yeah. Anywho, the Street of Roscoe <laughs> used to be just a plowed ditch that bisected the valley to delineate the line between Lancashire Ranch on the south and both McClay and Porter Ranches on the north. Mm. But it was called Roscoe because that part of town around the station where this all happened changed its name to Roscoe until 1948 when the people of the area didn't want their town associated <laughs> with such a horrific event and they voted on the new name Sun Valley. Uh, peaceful town. <laughs> no Gun Valley. Yeah, no weird activity here. <laughs> no history in the train tracks. <laughs> but there's still controversy about the name because in the articles I was reading, they still refer to that station as Roscoe Station, even when the robbery had just happened. Yeah. So either they changed the name really quickly or it already had that name from another incident with a robbery. Yeah. Or some people think that it was the name of a robber from before or someone who worked on the train or yeah. maybe it was just the name of a land developer. But this robbery did happen here. And even if that might not be why the area was called Roscoe, it's the story people associated with the name Weird. Roscoe and was painful enough to them to put it to a vote <laughs> to change the name from Roscoe. So it's easy to just brush off street names because we've seen them a million times, but names do mean something yeah. and stick them up because I brought my Roscoe <laughs> with me today. I thought your pants looked big. You don't <laughs> usually wear a duster. Well, I'm trying out a new look. <laughs> your forearm doesn't seem that rigid and <laughs> like you have something strapped in there. That's um, wild. It's Wild West. Uh, it was pretty exciting because I've been playing Red Dead Redemption <laughs> too. So I'm like, this is, I could reenact this right now if I wanted to. But yeah, that, I thought that was really interesting and yeah. crazy that Roscoe, of all things, is named after this horrific robbery gone wrong. Of course. Well, it got, went right for part of the time. It, I mean, he got to go to, to a portal. So why wouldn't it be named after yeah. something violent? <laughs> but yeah, those are a few streets. And every single street has a crazy story, unless it's, again, Magnolia or yeah. First Street. Second place. I think we should, like the cult episode and the junk drawer episode. Yeah. I think this is, this is a refillable desk piece, I think. Refillable desk piece that I could submit to my late night class. Yeah. Right. And here's something you can submit to your late night class uh meaning itunes a review of this podcast on itunes just say some nice words or like just we're fun and informative but never funny and smart <laughs> entertaining if you have an iphone just open up your apple podcast app leave mm -hmm. some stars youtube watch our videos there twitter at la meekly we're Facebook, on spotify, you can spotify. Listen to this, it's easier patreon like we talked about in the ad before right. if you have a listener question or recommendation send us an email at la.meekly at gmail.com or if you have more hate mail we love getting that we'll take them oh well hey i'll frame anything yeah what do, what do you think what do you think of this what do you think of what just happened this was a lot of fun even coming up a little bit short on some research i still learned something which we, is we now know that it's not chevy chase the actor yeah we now know james it's not with, james the, with the actor yeah. <laughs> or theodore fatty general Thaddeus Kostchuko. If I learned anything from this episode, is that how to pronounce that street name? It, it's interesting now that whenever I cross Roscoe, I, yeah. I'm thinking, oh yeah, that guy got pinned against the train. And they wanted to be killed and yeah. nobody would. And then they just killed him because they were trying to pull him <laughs> off of a train. Yeah, and then, oh, this Union General. Oh. Oh. Whenever I go to Larry Flint's casino, <laughs> now I think about that. They knocked his house down for this. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, have a nice March. We'll see you for our quarantine anniversary episode. Oh. Oh boy, so, can't wait. Could be about anything. <laughs> Will we get kicked out of this parking lot for good and be back in the park? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to be back in the park for the anniversary. Yeah, for, to honor the anniversary. To honor. Uh, have a good March. We'll see you in April. I've got to pee a lot right now, so I'm going to end this. Uh, oh, oh, I'm peeing. Oh, golly. Oh, oh dear me. Oh, jeez. My stream. So that's been yet another episode of LA Meekly, named after Chevy Chase. The street? Since 2013. The actor. I guess you'll tell me James Woods is vice president. <laughs> hey, Chevy Chase Drive, you know that new actor you've been looking for? You know that new British battlefield you're looking for? <laughs> well, hear this. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Bye.